Hey, Coffee Breakers. This is just a warning to let you know that this episode contains adult content and may be disturbing to some listeners. Please take caution and listener discretion is advised. Hey, Scully, do you know what I absolutely love about VioletIvyBoutique.com? What? Plus sizes that are affordable, stylish, flatter my body, and the dresses have pockets. I was going to say and have pockets. Yes, (laughs) absolutely love it. And what I love uh, about it is it also caters to like non-plus size people. So she has something for everybody. So... How's your experience been with Violet and Ivy? I love the cardigans and that no matter what you get, she has options that you can keep changing the look. So you can get the tank top and wear it with a cardigan. Or if it's summer, you can just wear the tank top. It's covering. It's flattering. You can pair it with a blue one. You can pair it with a yellow one. Like you have multiple options. It looks like you have this wide variety of clothes when you've got two or three options from her. I love it. Absolutely love it. And her nail designs are on point. Hand yeah, it's painted. I can't believe a person does that. I know. She does it. Yeah. Hand painted, press on nails that are affordable. So if you're looking for a great style, check out VioletNivyBoutique.com. Hey, Coffee Breakers. It's AC. And Scully. And welcome to Worder Wednesday. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, new. I'll, I'll work on it. No, that was perfect. You, <laughs> you don't have to work on it. That was absolutely perfect. Yes, this is now going to be Murder Wednesdays. Um, it's like murder, but upside down, as I so eloquently pointed out. <laughs> yes. I love it. Um, so Scully is telling us, uh, you break it down. You tell them all about it. This is a documentary on Netflix. I'm going to try to look up the name really, really quick. I think it is The Lady of Silence. Um, I don't want to, I don't. The Lady of Silence, and I'll pronounce that word later in the, okay. <laughs> the blank murders, and I'll explain it when I can <laughs> see the way I wrote it so I don't butcher that word. Okay. So we have a little mystery going on here. We don't know what murders. Yes. But um, I will tell you, this is. It all takes place in Mexico. So there is a lot of names that I'm going to try to pronounce um, the best that I can. Okay. We're going to jump right into this one because I got really excited. I'll be honest. When I started it, I was a little like, oh, goodness. And then as it went, I was like, okay. Because it's one of those documentaries that is broken down into English, but originally in Spanish. Yeah, so it's you- like the, the Hellhounds. Yeah. In Spanish. Yeah. So you can't, you have to devote full attention because in the background they're speaking Spanish, but then they're speaking English and then the translation's not that great. Right. So like what they're. You have to read the closed captions. Yeah. And that's (laughs) different words than what they're saying. So it's really trippy. Like even the words they're saying is not the, as accurate as the actual closed cap, closed captions. Well, it's a good thing that you did this for us. It did sound like it took a lot of <laughs> it did. It was a very mental work, very long time. So hopefully, it sounds good. <laughs> so here we go. In 1986 to 2003, when the documentary starts, this is you're in 2003. Okay, and it's telling you that several elderly women began to die in Mexico. Local law enforcement at first thought all of these were just coincidental, like. And when you say die, you don't mean of natural causes, right? Correct. They're showing up at the medical examiner's office strangled, but they're like, okay, like 
these aren't connected it's just kind of it's a one and done yes i called her the medical examiner but i think she's like a criminal criminologist like i think she works within the police station but she's and works with the actual medical examiner but she's not quite in that role Gotcha. But, so, but she might look at what they report. She looks at the bodies because she's the one that started to see the connection. She was like, each victim was strangled to death with items found around the house. So we're talking like the bathrobe, um, rope. What is it called? You had to correct me earlier. Belt. Belt. I don't know why. It just doesn't seem like a belt to me. But the bathrobe belt, cords to radios, phone, phone cords, anything that could, stockings, like pantyhose. Yeah. That could tie around a victim's neck to strang- strangle them. I mean, that's I mean, that's a, pretty much anything. Yeah. Any kind of cord. Any cord. Any ropeish type yeah. thing. Yeah. So she's like, these are connected. Do y'all not see this? Like, what is going on? So she brought it to law enforcement's attention, and they're like, No, you watch too much TV. You need to like get a job doing something else because you're wrong. I wonder if she was a true crime fan. I wonder. I don't think it says, but she does very much gets just, no, you're wrong. She's blown off completely. There, and to be fair, at this time, there were no serial killers in Mexico. So if this was a serial killer, this is the first one. So they're definitely like, you're wrong. Shut up. We don't want to go down that road. They're like, no, uh, see no evil. Very much. Head in the sand. <laughs> So she begins to dig into the cases because she's like, no, these are connected. At that time, um, she was able to trace a violent crime that matched this MO all the way back to like 86, 87. Wow. So she put some dedicated time and work. She does all through this documentary. Like she very much is. What was her name? I'll have to get it because I don't, I don't okay. remember. It's like really small too in the documentary. Yeah. It's very difficult. They should have made it bigger. Like how in most documentaries, it's like right at the bottom of the screen. It's like in the middle of the screen, like over their person. And it makes it very difficult to read. Okay. Because there's another guy in here that I just know him as his nickname, which is Tiger. I think he works with the attorney general. Couldn't read his little caption. Gotcha. Okay. So unnamed hero from somewhere in the police department. Yes. In Mexico City. In Mexico City. So she's like. And brings it up to him, shows them the new evidence that she found in 86. They're still like, no, you're wrong. Go away. It takes the community. It takes the media and the community at large really like pushing them. Like law enforcement acknowledge these cases. There's too many happening. Like this is all connected before Ellie's finally like, okay, maybe. Okay. So did unnamed hero go to the media? Or did some leaks happen? I think there was so many murders happening that people, that were, going, people were like, gotcha. this is because they were hearing about, oh, this person got murdered. Well, this person got murdered last week. Well, this one got murdered last month. Like it was just that many happening so close together. Gotcha. That, okay. that, that they couldn't ignore it. Gotcha. So they start talking about how the police in Mexico City are starting to study serial co- serial killers in other countries. It goes straight to the U.S. It well, because, yeah, because we reign supreme. We have many. Um, <laughs> Look, I read something the other day that was like, in the 80s, there was like 770 active serial killers that we know of. Yeah, I don't like that. And, and you know, growing up, I always wor- worried, like, not worried, but wondered why my parents were very much like, and that's why. Yeah, people were disappearing. 
Oh, just wait to some of these statistics, man. So jump straight into John Wayne Gacy, um, Richard Ramirez, Ted Bunny, Ted Bunny, <laughs> Ted Bundy. Did you know he was a dropout for like a dropout lawyer? No, I didn't. I didn't. E- I didn't either. They n- mentioned that kind of in passing, and I was like, didn't know that. Didn't know. And Eileen Warnos, which was a female serial killer. Oh, I, I've heard of her. They even took help from France, who apparently at that time had just dealt with their own quote old lady killer who they dubbed the monster of this is in French so it's Montmartre which I believe is an area in France probably where he was doing all of his he would torture and kill his victims and then strangle he would strangle them he tortured them and then the way he killed them was strangulation he did this he murdered 21 women and it took France three years to actually convict him oh wow Convict him or catch him? In total, I guess no conviction because they had him, but to get everything in oh, line yeah. to be able to get him for the 21 murders. That's not, that. that's yeah. pretty quick. Yeah. So a detective from France actually came to Mexico to kind of help train Mexican police on how to kind of work these sort of cases because they'd never dealt with a serial killer before. When he got there, the stuff he was able to tell him like in France we do this or we do that he said he was met with a lot of resistance because like we don't do that that way here in Mexico we can't do that here like right the laws are different there was only so many things that could actually go across right with cases like these it is super difficult because there is no connection between the victims we do have the MO but that's the only thing you have do you I'm raising my hand do you know what MO stands for Uh, modus operandi yes and And <laughs> yes, ma'am. I know. Um, I keep wanting to say unsub too. And when I was writing this, we up. can call them ubsu- unsubs. I-, I wanted to so bad, but I just kept saying suspect. That's fine. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's the only connection they have. So typically, in a murder investigation, you start with the family, you move outward to find if there's anyone who knew something, if there's friends, so on and so forth. And that's typical in the U.S. as well. Yeah, that's just you start. With the people closest. What happened yeah. and move out. Mm-hmm. For this case in particular, there were a few witnesses. Not not many people had seen anything, but when the documentary starts, you meet the first victim that you know of, which is Gloria. And her, I think it's like her nephew or someone, is actually leaving her apartment when the suspect approaches, presenting to be like a policy worker. And I'll explain all that to you a little bit later. Um, so he was actually able to see her, and then he left, and she ended up murdering. But it was, like, in passing. It wasn't like, I got to sit here and talk to you like I am right. and know your face and be able to give a better description. It was like, hey, how you doing? Move on. Yeah, Grandma, you good? Bye. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to find my place. <laughs> so he assumed that this set of murder. He des- they described the person of interest as a 45 to 48-year-old, broad shoulder, big hands, short hair, and dressed as a nurse pretending to work for public policy. <laughs> it does not give a gender, which I found really interesting. Well, maybe because they just couldn't identify it right off because it is, it sounds like more uh, like me, like I got linebacker shoulders. And I disagree with that description of you, <laughs> but... Yes, they describe them as just very generic, almost. Yeah. 
I will tell you, public policy was a program that was created by their president at that time as a way to give back dignity to the senior citizens. It was a financial aid program that offered help to senior citizens. So at that time, if someone came to your door stating like, hey, I'm here with public policy to help sign up, you would have opened your door if you were an elderly person. You wouldn't have thought something nefarious was going on. you're here to murder me. Like, it would have been like, hey, come on in. Yeah, I do need that assistance. Right. So mind you, that's how all these cases are taking place. Like, the general MO is... We're here from... I'm here from the government. I'm here to help you. Like... Yeah. So at some point, FBI got involved because... Our FBI? It must have been because it just says FBI got involved. So our FBI Behavioral Analysis Unit. There you go. (laughs) And gave the uh, Mexican police the stages at which the serial killer was working. Ah, so yeah, so behavioral analysis. So they said the first step was they would observe the victim, follow them, see if they're alone, etc. The second stage was to select them and then follow them to whatever location, so follow them back to their apartment, whatnot. The third stage was the seduction. I can't get that word out. Hey, I'm with public policy. I'm here to help you. Or, hey, I'm here with food stamps. Like, what can I do to sign you up? Like, We can also call that a ruse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you don't have to say seduction again? Uh, Well, I'm done. That's the only time I have to say it. (laughs) The fourth stage was execution, where they actually did strangulation. And then the fifth stage was the trophy stage, where they would take something from it, which we know from serial killers. That's typically what they do. Did you know that there's a difference between a trophy and a souvenir? No. Okay. Go ahead, because that will enlighten me. (laughs) So a trophy is something that you put on display, right? You want Mm -hmm. everybody to see it. You know what it means. So, like, if a serial killer takes a necklace from a murdered woman and then gives it to his wife, that's a trophy. Okay. Okay. But if he takes their driver's license and puts it in a hidden place, that's his souvenir. Gotcha. So he trophies are display. Yeah. In some form or fashion. In some form. Like, nobody else is going to know. But you. But him. But it's mm, going to be like displayed. That. Whereas a souvenir is their hidden stash. The more you know. The more you know. <laughs> okay. So during this time in Mexico, obviously fear is rampant. It's all over the news. People are demanding answers from law enforcement. Law enforcement is at a loss. So they put together a plan for that same Emmy slash criminologist lady that does a little bit of everything, honest to God, because she's all through this documentary. And I think she was a massive, massive asset. They tell her to start looking at nurses and those in the medical field because the description that they had was that it was somebody, again, from public policy or some kind of nursing, like dressed as a nurse, right? So, so they're trying to field, trying like to eliminate. Yes, they're in scrubs. Theirs is like the white jacket and the white shoes, like oh, so old school nurse. Yes, like with the hat and the whole nine. Oh wow! Like we saw somebody like that in the United States, especially nowadays. We'd be like, what? Right. So I don't know who sat down or if it was a culmination of a bunch of different people that sat down with the actual sketch artist, but they do render a drawing of the suspect. On January 9th of 04, police locate Matilda Sanchez, who matches the drawing to a T. And when I tell you that, if you watch the documentary, it looks like the same person. Like, like they took like a picture. Somebody, yeah. Drew, a pi- drew from a picture of her. Yeah. So law enforcement shows up to her job force her into the car and leave with her and take her to the police station. 
her supervisor catches wind of this and is like, what happened? She reports down to law enforcement because she is adamant that they have the wrong person. She is told by law enforcement that they don't know what she's talking about. They don't have a Matilda. So she's like, what do you mean? Like Somebody. I need to file a report then because somebody dressed like the cops came and got her. Shoved her in a car. (laughs) So I'm a little concerned. Yes. So at that time while she's talking to them, law enforcement pull up with someone who has their head covered. And it, it shows you, like, I don't know if it's like a video or just like a still shot of a picture or something or still shot of a video. And she's got like a coat around her head. But her boss said that she was able to identify her because she had on the white nurse's shoes. So she knew it was Matilda. Gotcha. Even if they weren't telling her. This cracked me up. They took her and put her, Matilda, took Matilda and put her in the jessel chamber. What? And I was like, what's a jessel chamber? I don't ever want to go to jail in Mexico. Like, that's scary. What I understand, it sounds so crazy, but it's essentially like a lineup room, like a one-way mirror room, like where you line up a bunch of people and on the other side, people can look at you. I don't know why it's called a Jezel chamber. I kind of wish we called it a Jezel, Jezel chamber, and I might from this point on, but that's essentially what it is. I, I had so many different scenarios. Chamber makes me think like in a yeah. castle in the bottom, like <laughs> in, in the dungeon. Cha- yes, you're in a chamber, the yes. Jezel. And I'm like, is it for Jezebel? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> So anyway, is it girls only? Right. <laughs> I didn't know. I was very concerned. But it's basically a one-way mirror room. So it's a um, a lineup room. It's a lineup. They call the witnesses and ask if Matilda is who they saw, and they all say no. She was later released, I think like 19 hours later, when the fingerprint that they found at one of the scenes um, doesn't match. Well, Okay, I bet Matilda was very happy. Yes, and remember that fingerprint. It doesn't tell you at this point in the documentary where this fingerprint came from, but remember that. Okay. I do like, and I told AC this, like if I ever get arrested, I want you to show the same dedication like it wasn't me. Like, (laughs) come get me. Because her boss was really concerned that they were going to pin it on her just to solve the case because there was such an uproar on get this solved, what's happening. Right. And the killer would have probably laid low for a little bit, knowing that there was a suspect in custody. So that way, if they're smart, Mm -hmm. they would have... Anyway, so it makes it look like it was there as soon as she's convicted, start again. Yep. Or bounce to a different area and do it again. It's important to note, too, that law enforcement, because they were so adamant of like, no, 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 this didn't happen, this didn't happen, that one of the crime scenes, it doesn't tell you which one, but one of the recent crime scenes where a victim was strangled, they didn't go and like shut it down and go through it. So the family like cleaned it up because they were mourning their grandmother. And like the guy talking in the documentary who is law enforcement kind of like complains about it. That they cleaned it up? Yeah. But, but you didn't like, secure it. And he also acknowledges that. So it's kind of like you can't have it both ways, sir. Right. You have to secure the crime scene. like mm-hmm. you, And you can't be mad because they go in to clean up. That's a, probably a form of respect for them. Yeah. It's their grandmother. And that's probably where the wake and the people are going to gather because yeah. that's what you do. And he says they were mourning their loved one, and he acknowledges that, but, like, still, that erased any potential evidence. Well, yeah, but I'm going like, there and put some crime scene tank pump. Well, you should have treated it as a serial killer thing or even just general crime scene. I digress. Well, well, I mean, she was murdered. Either way, murdered, yeah. Right. So, like, uh, 
that's y'all fault. I agree. It's also important to know that in Mexican culture at this time, and I'm assuming still to this day, that grandmothers or abuelitas, which is grandmother in Spanish, look at me, um, were well respected. They were devoted women to their families, self-sacrificing, cared deeply for their family. They were the one that like kept you in line, taught you all about your family, and just like a really loving, doting grandmother. Like Right. They were the matriarch. Yes, that's the word. The attorney general at this time even made a vow that he was going to have this case solved before his term was up because, in his words, even criminals respected this population. Like, this was a very heinous thing that they're targeting, not only the elderly, but elderly women. Right. Like, it came out of left field for them. The cartels aren't even messing with these people. Right. You leave you leave Abuelita alone. Right. Like, you don't do that. Right. So it was You very, respect them. You do. Because they are, like you said, they're the matriarch. Like, you right. don't. Okay. So remember the fingerprint? Yes. It was actually collected by the child of one of the victims. Because of course it is. She put it in a bag and gave it to police. Okay. So in America, that would have been in no way invisible. Yep. Yeah. In court. And apparently... How did she even know to dust for prints? I think she just saw two glasses. And was like, oop, that one's not grandma's. Gotcha. Or mom. Yeah. And put it in a bag. Gotcha. That print helped them identify, I think it's Arciela Vasquez. When they got her in her possession, she had several items that belonged to the victims. You remember the daughter with the glass that we just talked about? She was able to tell law enforcement that her mother always left the labels on whatever she had. So if she had a watch and it had some kind of, I guess tag price tag whatever she left it and she would wear it until it turned yellow or fell off on a particular watch she had it turned yellow and her grandkids were actually able to identify hey that's grandma's watch hers is just like that and the tag is yellow and that's in miss vasquez's possession possession so these were her souvenirs or trophies they also found um her to have a white coat wigs and other items that fit the mo oh so she was putting on wigs remember because everybody was given like different like nobody nobody could give a solid description yes because she was changing her look so interestingly enough she was introduced to the public first so like I've never seen anything like this before. So law enforcement got her and then basically put her out there for like a press conference. (laughs) So they're like yelling at her like, why did you do it? And, you know, why did you do this? And they asked her, how did you know what, what houses to target? She stated, because I followed a specific, I didn't follow a specific pattern. I walked. If I saw an elderly person sweeping or peeking outside, cleaning their windows, I would say there is someone here. If I saw a family member or someone, I would keep walking. I never broke into a house. And mind you, at this time, she's only accused of some robberies. No one at this time has ID'd her for any of the homicides. So the only thing she has in her possession is some of the items from this person but she's not been linked to any homicide yeah but isn't that in itself a link i mean i don't know but i'm not law enforcement but i would immediately be like why where you get this how you get this so she's been detained for a few months and old ladies are still being murdered oh no 
So long. So the media is like, did we catch her? Is there more than one? So while she's detained, Guadalupe Sanchez is murdered. Estelle Trejo, Delfina Castillo, Maria Tizapan, Margarita Vasquez, and Maria Cortez are all murdered. That's so many. While she's detained? While she is in jail. So the killer sped up, is what you're telling me. Yes. It sounds like it. It said there had been... 10 it only gives me six but they said there had been 10 strangulations so far in 2004 in the federal district oh they found another suspect jorge silva which they call him something else like give him a different last name i don't know why because of the when they first introduced him to you it's silva is his last name he's alleged to have committed two crimes he wore a white coat had a wig or dyed his hair Tended to be a nurse to establish a relationship with Maria Noguez, another victim, 66, who he promised to um, get financial support for. They think he is responsible for at least eight additional murders. When they searched, Jorge? yes, when they searched, they did find on, items on him connected to elderly murder crimes. Like some of the things on his person were from victims who were murdered. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> so we got the one ladies in jail yes and they've identified Jorge yes is that all they've identified did I miss one I feel nope, like I missed one that's it so far alright so one lady's in jail one lady's in jail he just got picked up he just got picked up mm-hmm. and he's accused of eight of these murders yeah they think he's responsible for at least eight additional murders so it would be nine I guess in total okay <laughs> When they searched him, they found a blonde wig, stethoscope, even a Bible with a passage written on the cover representing, quote, God gave him permission to exterminate. What? (laughs) You want me to repeat it? Yeah. He was found with a blonde wig, a stethoscope, not telescope. That wouldn't help him in his ruse. I mean, that would definitely board him out. A stethoscope, and even a Bible with a passage written on the cover representing, quote, God gave him permission to exterminate. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. He appeared to be a second serial killer. Oh, okay. So people so are just weeding them out. So people are like, how many are there? Like, well, yeah. You just got. You went from zero to two. Yes. So, huh? So media is a little bit, and people everywhere are scared. They said it had been six years since he completed his first crime against a person who gave him a place to stay. May 1998, he was linked to the murder of Maria Salcida, who died of strangulation. But that case was never solved. So even if they're saying he did it, they don't have enough to say he did it. Gotcha. Because they didn't solve the case. We well, see, I think all court systems are like ours with beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. And that's a really high bar. Just like with Aracela... Yeah. There is no conclusive evidence that prove he was a serial killer. The law enforcement that they talked to during this documentary says he thinks they're all copycats. Oh, so like, wait a minute. <laughs> this, this, one is, lot. this one is a lot. Okay. So law enforcement at this point in the documentary thinks that the lady that's in jail mm-hmm. and Jorge are copycats of the original killer? Correct. This is 20 years later that they're doing this interview. So I don't know that they knew that information during this time when they're arresting these people. No, they're probably not. But like hindsight looking back. Copycats. Like they saw it on the news. was like, hey, 
Yes. I'm I'm going to blow your mind with some of this stuff, I'm telling you. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. So the ish, the law enforcement officer that they talked to, he said the issue at that point was that people were being arrested to be investigated instead of investigating to arrest them. I So they were just picking up people like, you did it. And then it was like, but I didn't. And they're like, eh, maybe. Yeah, maybe, but I got yeah. But there had to be, like, some evidence to suggest. Yes and no. Like okay. The, but they're they're finding items that belong to these victims that were murdered on yes. them. Yes. How they're getting to them, I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, there was the fingerprint for Aracela, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure how they got Mr. Jorge. Well, maybe they saw him walking around in his blonde wig with his stethoscope. <laughs> telescope. <laughs> telescope. It was like, hey. That's weird. Yeah. Um, I would. They did this as a way, he, law enforcement even says, that they did this as a way to relieve the pressure that they were under to give the community a sense of, see, we're getting these people, we're solving this. Yes, but at this point, you're just making everybody more nervous. Because right? Because like, how many like are there? Like, we solved it, and then there's like six more murders. Okay, we got this guy, we solved it, and there's still more murders. So, initially, these crimes were about a year apart. Okay, so from the first victim. So, from 86 to 87 to 88 to 89. So, we're about a year apart. But now it seems like they every other day. So initially they were a year apart. Then they went to a few months and now they're just a few weeks. Oh, wow. So they're increasing greatly. This started like a whole thing in Mexico City about the government being inadequate. They're not solving this. It was like it turned into this big political thing in Mexico because they were saying it's mismanaged. Y'all aren't able to do this. (laughs) Like, you know, I will say this for the United States. Serial killers don't get political here. Yeah. We don't care. No. Our, poli- our politicians are like, eh, be careful. Yes. And we don't really care. So <laughs> they were attacking the attorney general. Yeah. And he kind of like clapped back because they started this project. And I think it was called like Safe Home there. And okay. it was giving out locks to the elderly. And it's literally like the old school locks. Like, you you know what I'm talking about? Like, you clip it in there and slide it, the yeah. chain lock. Yeah. They were giving those out to the elderly. And the attorney general, not so eloquently, was like, um, none of these houses were broken into. He ain't wrong. And I was like, you know, sir, good point. Because not a single crime had forced entry. That's concerning. Mm-hmm. And he, it's what he told them because they were, like, blasting him. And he's like... None of the houses have forced entry. They are letting this person in. Do you hear me? Like, I understand you're mad at me. I'm not doing whatever you feel I should, but that's not going to change anything. No, but give them locks, sure. It, I don't understand why y'all don't already have locks on your doors, but you didn't have a serial killer problem before. You do now, so, you know, we learned. Mm-hmm. But let's tell Abuelitas not you don't to know open them? the door. Don't talk to them. Yeah. Don't, don't let it know. Don't let anybody back to your house. Unless they're your family member. Mm-hmm. And you're only your favorite family members. Right. At this point, like we're just not, lock it down. Because everybody got a couple. <laughs> <laughs> so law enforcement, again, says that the reason he thinks this case blew up was because in 2005, so we're 03, starting back in 86, but we're at 2005, there were more than 30 homicides connected to this case. Holy moly. That... That's a lot. Yes. It cuts to a news report right after that. That states from 98 to 95, there was at least 49 murders in Mexico City. Total? In relation to this. Oh, God. So you're already looking at... Hold on, math. That was 30. 
right? Well, it's saying... 79. 98 to 2005, were, in total, they're saying 49. So law enforcement said there was more than 30 homicide cases. In 2005 alone? No. No. Okay. At 2005, from the start of this thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So All right. Got you. News says 49, and then it says 3 in 1998, 2 in 1999, 2 in 2001, 2 in 2002, and by 2003, there were 12, and then 17 in 2004. That was a huge jump. And then it talks about even two more were recorded on that weekend. So That's I don't. a huge jump. Another reason that this case got so much city is that it was in Mexico City, which is like their main central area. It'd be like Washington, D.C. for us. This will kill you right here. Oh, no. So there were already an increased number of femicides in the state of Mexico, meaning like female murders and people who don't know that. I knew that. And I don't know how to say the first name of this, but it's Juarez. It's another part of Mexico. So in Mexico City and then this other part of Juarez, which... they consider war as like the other side of the tracks. Like it's like the poor, not so nice area. Gotcha. Murdered women in Juarez are more than 10% of the violent crimes there. Like make up that. Femicide's a problem all over the world. When there's an author that like wrote a book about this whole lady of silence. Mm -hmm. She says that when she was um, doing her 10 year investigation into the, Lady of Silence, she noted that during the same times that the crimes were taking place in Mexico City, that more than 300 murders of women were recorded in Juarez. Oh, wow. And that at least 4,000 women had disappeared slash been murdered in the state of Mexico. I can't even wrap my head around that number. And that state officials did not put the same effort into those femicide cases as they did this elderly. And it was only because that they felt like this was a... Most attack on their culture. Well, and it was, they felt like it was, what's the word, like a targeting a specific population, like the elderly, like a at risk. Well, at risk or like discriminatory or whatever yes. you want to call it, like a, a protected class. Of all of those cases I just told you about, as far as the femicide-related stuff, 92% of those cases still remain unsolved. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Scully, why did you tell me that? Because it blew my mind. Well, it's going to blow my mind, and it's going to make me angry, and now I'm in Mexico <laughs> trying to figure out who killed them. Don't know. If anything, we just learned is don't go. Well, like, I'm just when I say I'm in Mexico, I'm pulling like I'm trying to pull records. I'm sitting here <laughs> learning Spanish. <laughs> well, fair. Like, so don't. I will go. That blew my mind just because. But then it kind of jumps, and you meet another victim, Maria Dolores. They say that the lady of silence. The they keep calling her the old lady killer, and I'll I'll explain why in a second. But that she actually sat with Maria's doorman and, like, got to know Maria's routine. So she found out Maria was a school teacher that usually after school she would leave her door open. She would just kind of, like, go in there, do her stuff, and then was at nighttime she'd shut her door and go to sleep. She was met, I guess, Miss Maria, and spent some time with her, and then two months later strangled her with a telephone cord in her house. Who did this? The old lady killer. We don't know that name yet. We don't know the name yet. Okay. I, I do. You don't. <laughs> I was like, did I miss it? No, you don't know yet. 
I don't like it that they call that it's called the old lady killer. Yeah, it bothers me because it feels. So we'll call it does a little bit, but that's what they called because that's all she targeted. So we'll just call her the lady of silence. Or can we call her the Abuelita killer? Abuelita killer, yeah. Months later, the family of this particular victim, Miss Maria, were told that it was a possible male suspect. They always kind of assumed that it was a male suspect based on the strangulation and the strength it takes to be able to strangle someone. Not to mention the fact that everyone described this person as a broad-shouldered, big hands, like big, big person, just in general. Every person that said they saw... This person. I believe the killer was manly features. Gotcha. Like big, strong man features. Okay. But it doesn't really take a whole lot of strength to strangle somebody. I feel like Especially you're strangling an elderly person. Right. Like, I don't see that taking, like, a it whole lot. But but I, especially if you're using an uh, instrument, like a yeah. cord, because all you have to do is pull yeah. the cord. They show so many sketches on this documentary. Like, Do they change each time? So many sketches... There, it's not even funny. So that same um, medical examiner person, criminologist, it shows her bedroom, and she was so obsessed with this case, she had them all over her walls. She's after AC's heart, and they're all different. Like they're so different. It. it so what she's doing is looking at all these pictures, trying to figure out how they all can combine to be yes. one person. See, I mean, yeah. So this part's gonna bother her. So I told you they think it's a male because the features and everything else. So local law enforcement do a huge raid on the, I think it's, I'm going to say, it's like, I know in Spanish, a job is trabajo. Yeah. This looks like Trabador area of Mexico. Okay. But it's where the sex workers are. Most of them are transgender sex workers. Mm -hmm. So since they thought this abuelita killer was male pretending to be female they did a huge raid for the transgender people for the transgender in this area because they wanted their fingerprints but the way they did it and i don't think any of them would have had an issue with it but they came in with vans and like tear gas yeah and were beating them and they rounded them up and ain't none of them it wasn't none of them they got 80 to 120 people that they brought in and no none of them were identified as anything they were released and law enforcement made an apology but (sighs) you you can't apologize after you beat somebody's butt for no reason other than that you have this job or you look this way like the apology it it ain't okay it's not accepted i just thought it was crazy that you did this massive raid and like you didn't just go down like i don't i don't know what they could have probably just literally i mean i don't know these people don't know they're probably scared of the police because I don't know if it's legal, like prostitution or whatever, mm-hmm. sex worker, sex work is legal. I don't, it, I don't know. It could be. I don't know. I'm assuming it must be because they didn't arrest them arrest anybody. Like they didn't get anybody for anything. They just went down there, raided that whole area, whooped their butts. If you didn't comply, yeah, and took them in, did what they wanted to do, and then took pictures of their hands and stuff, just well, to because well, they have big hands. Yeah, they're trying to they're see, trying to compare because well, they think it's a male. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're right. That didn't make me mad. I just thought it, just the raid, like I, beating people. I don't. I don't think you should do that, regardless. No. So they had partial prints up until this point. They didn't have any like full, full prints other than so they got 
the glass. The the glass, but that was for Arciella or however you say Miss Vasquez. That oh. ID'd her. Oh. So we don't have any prints yet for Abolita Killer. Oh. Except in one case. Um, a suspect posed as a paramedic and offered to help this elderly lady. They had an x-ray machine, went into the would-be victim, took x-rays. It must be like some kind of portal. It's like a dental x-ray that it shows you. Uh-huh. The victim asked for a copy of it. The suspect took it out, went to looked at it, and then went to hand it, I guess, to the would-be victim, and a family member arrived. So I believe the killer left, leaving behind a full thumbprint on that x-ray. x-ray. Now they just need a name. They got to be able to run it. So they have a huge database of fingerprints. They run all of the fingerprints, nothing. So this person's never been in trouble before. It, well, never, yeah, never yeah, been. Not in, in the before. system. At this point, there are 120 to 125 different sketches. Oh my good God. Yes. And then I have talk about the head in my notes, and I'll explain that to you. So that same Emmy I told you about, criminologist lady, obsessed with this case, she asked her supervisor if they could do, like, a clay recreation of this Abolita killer. Like a bust. Yes, a bust to be able to identify. They told her no, because you only do that to, like, identify bones or something to give a face so people can identify. So she's like, okay, I'll do it myself. So she starts looking at all these sketches, and she starts comparing, like... We could be friends, me and that chick. She's finding which of all these 125 sketches, like, where the eyes are the same, so she can make the eyes look that way, where the nose is the same, where the mouth is the same. She said that she had this bust, because it's made out of some material that will melt, that she had it in her fridge, and that her kids were like, can you get your bust out of the fridge? Like, can you it's, get your weird face It's a little out. weird, Mom. <laughs> But she really wanted to... She wanted to solve this case. Yes. She spoke to anyone who had seen anything to try to, like, does this look like what you saw? What angle did you see her from? Like, trying to get this thing so accurate so we could find who this person is. Right. Because I'm assuming murders are still going down. Yep. You have another victim. Um, They found prints on a jewelry box this time. The victim was suffocated. Her name was Margarita. Um, So the Emmy goes to... I keep calling her Emmy, a criminologist lady, goes to the map, and she starts making a, a, like a geometric, is that the word? Geographical. Geographical markup to be able to see, like, where are these taking places? They say it is a understand that serial killers never cure, kill near their home or their workplace. I didn't know that. See, I've heard the, always the opposite, that they have a comfort zone. Yeah, but I don't, is it near their home or their workplace? I mean, they are in criminal minds. So I don't know. So I don't know what kind of fiction, if it's, you know, whatever. But. Yeah. Just what they said in this. And then they said all they found in correlation with looking at this, that all of these murders take place near like a train station. Like there's always some kind of mode of transportation that's quick that you can just get on multiple people, that kind of thing. Gotcha. They... So quick access to transport. Mm-hmm. They believe that she would just get on a train ride it whichever direction get off walk around see if she found someone they thought that she usually like cruised the parks or gardens they're looking looking to establish trust with somebody they pull in this guy and all i know is his name is tiger i think he works at like the attorney general's office he's some kind of lawyer and 
he immediately pokes holes all through that theory that she's using parks and that kind of thing because it's a six from the park that they identified in each of the areas. It's a six block walk. And elderly people can't make that walk. To each victim's house. Like it's a good walk. So he's like, that doesn't make sense. But if you look at it, it's all access to a main road. So wherever they are, it's a quick getaway. Gotcha. All right, Tiger. Right. So you meet another victim, Miss Lupita. She's found strangled with her stockings tied around her neck in September of 2005. The same Tiger guy calls in law enforcement, and he's like, everyone thinks you're a joke. Like, he he made no qualms. He was like, you're, he, everybody thinks that you're stupid and you're not doing a good job. What are you going to do? Like, who runs the city? How are we going to fix this? Like, really does like a pep talk almost to law enforcement. Like, how are you going to step up your game and are get you better? Are you going to suck or are you going to win? Yes, like, very much. Like, locker room talk. Like, here yeah, we go. That's right. <laughs> so he's like, basically, do better. How are you going to do better? So the officers came up with the serpentine method. And the way that it shows you this on the documentary is that it's a large, there's a lot of houses and yeah apartments all together so it has like three i guess like three blocks of houses three yeah and then in between each there's a road so they're going up and down and up and down and up and down all the way around to make sure that they're seen people see them they've got the pictures of the victim or the suspected abuelita killer like on Mm -hmm. their cruisers like they're trying to hand it out one cop said it was like part of our uniform like you took those with you like you handed them out like they're really really trying to be present and there in september mm, january 25th yeah those are very different those aren't the same (laughs) of 06 another victim anna I believe that this is her husband because it talks about how they would write little notes to each other. And, like, if he couldn't see her, they it just sounds more like a couple versus, like, a grandson and grandmother. It doesn't quite say that. But he go, gets up. He didn't get to see her off. Or he didn't get to see her when he went to work. He goes to work. He had to stay over. He comes home, and he sees that his windows and stuff and the front door is wide open. And he's like, that's odd. Like, she wouldn't do that. So he he used to whistle, and when he'd whistle, she'd whistle a tune back. And he didn't get a sound. So he goes into the home. He goes into the bedroom. He sees that all of her stuff is everywhere. And then he hears, like, a clattering behind him. So he turns around, and he sees a woman calmly looks at him they make eye contact she turns around and slowly walks out the door so obviously he follows her because at this point he had spotted anna on the floor strangled oh, so and okay it, he saw her and then turned around to the clattering and then saw this woman so he follows her out her neighbors he was really close with the neighbors as was anna and he starts hollering like help me help me they've done something she's this woman has done something to anna it just so happened, cops making their serpentine, are coming up the road that he's following her on. Gotcha. She quickly, like, tries to get away. Like, she mm-hmm. turns back, looks at him, and then takes off running. Law enforcement see this. He's, like, yelling at them. He, there's two, two officers in the car. The one stops, says, you cross the street, stop her before she gets down to, like, the transit so mm-hmm. she can't get gone. He gets down there, gets her, and she just starts attacking him. So then his body, his buddy pulls up, gets out, and they get her. Okay. Like, finally. And this is where you meet Joanna Zampiro. Abuelita killer? Yes. Abuela killer? Abuelita. Abuelita killer. She had two grocery bags. When they 
found her. She had two grocery bags with plastic handles. They're like reusable voter IDs, some senior citizen food stamp cards, as well as several wrestler business cards and receipts to pro wrestling rings. Yes. She had shampoo, hairspray, blood pressure monitor, some coin charms, some chains, um, like chains like women's jewelry. Yeah. Prayer cards and a keychain with Lady of Silence pro wrestler on it. She sat in the back. You gonna tell me she was pro wrestler? I'm not gonna tell you anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Are you kidding me right now? No, ma'am. <clears throat> so that's why I told you there's a part of this that you're gonna be like, really? <laughs> I don't. So she sat in the back of the car. <laughs> she just put down her mic, y'all. <laughs> They sat in the back of the car, and she pulled out a charm to Los Muertos, like the, it's like one day of the dead, but it's like the, their God for dead, like the holy something. It, it, that's what the guy was saying on the thing. It's for death. Like that person is for death, but they call it the holy something. The translation is now, I don't know. know. That's what it says on the, the Netflix thing. But she prayed to that. And then she pulled out a sandwich and just started eating in the back of the patrol car. Which I just found super... Where'd you pull this hand? And it was in her stuff. Oh, we just let you keep the stuff in the patrol car in Mexico. Uh, That's not going to happen in the U.S. I was very concerned about that because I'm like, how... You just have access to your stuff? Like, (laughs) you're not handcuffed? Right. I don't know. So, they take her in. She meets with Tiger. Same guy, remember? That was his nickname. He has a big Tiger painting behind him. I love it. I love it. And he's like, what do you do for a living? And she stated, quote, a lot of things. He describes her as a large woman. I was about to say. He had stated that someone had just told him that the last victim was used like a chokehold. So he asked her, like, he mentioned something about wrestling. And she's like, I love wrestling. And he was like, gotcha, is what he says in the documentary. Like, I got you. I know it's you. She lives, Miss Joanna lives with her two children. Um, Uh, Are they grown? I don't think so. It doesn't give you their ages, but I don't think so. Oh, no. She, you meet her hairstylist, because when they identified her, she's all over the news. They find out where she lives, so they start talking to her neighbors and people around her. And they find out that she gets her hair done a lot. Like, her stylist talks about how she always wanted a new look. And that she had just recently cut all her hair off. And in the documentary, her hair is very short. Not quite like a buzz, but not quite a pixie either. Like Like somewhere in between the two. mm -hmm. At this point, there are 48 murders. It was dating back all the way to 86. Total. Yes. That they're... Yes. The the news had said 49, but according to law enforcement, there's 48 murders that they think she's involved with going all the way back to 86. So she's a wrestler. I'm getting there. (laughs) I can't wrap my head around this. I'm sorry. Her fingerprints are tied to 10. Like she left 10. Physical evidence mm -hmm. linked to 10. Okay. When asked why she did it, she's because like they let them straight talk to the media. Yeah, we don't do that here. No. Well, I kind of wish we did. No, no, we don't. No, I do. Don't do that. Yes, because I want to hear it from the horse's I, mouth. I don't want to. That horse's mouth needs to be closed. <laughs> like, I got I got nothing for you. When they asked her why, she said it was out of anger. She claims Anna, 
the one that she was just caught for, was her first. She claims that she just lost it because of money, and they were arguing over wages. And they're like, what are you talking about? And she claims that she stopped by and was like, hey, I'll clean the house for this, and that Anna declined. And then she mentioned something about quilts, and I don't know if... Joanna was saying, like, I can make quilts, and Anna brushed her off and was like, that's stupid, I'm not paying you for whatever, and that made her angry. It didn't make sense what she was saying, but that's why she jumped on Anna and murdered her. And then she tells them that she was mistreated as a child by her mother, so she hates ladies, and that's why she did this, that as a teenager, her mother would trade her to older men for beer and different things like that. So pimp her out Mm -hmm. traffic her but see to me it almost and she was sexually abused so my thing is is wouldn't that be towards the men too okay so that goes into like maybe but like her mama was the one that's supposed to protect her from all this i I just i don't know It, it doesn't click in my head besides women are easier to kill true if we're gonna be real so the doctor, which I think is the actual medical examiner, wanted her to show him, which this part closed my mind, wanted her to show him how she strangled the victims. Like, he wanted to see if she was going to show them so they could tie it to the knots that they found. Because she never, in all the victims that were found, it was still around their neck. Nothing yeah, was ever removed. Off. Yeah. He gave her his tie. And I was like, here, show me. So she wrapped his tie around his neck. And the same lady I was telling you about that did the bust and all, she was like, she became excited, like, and started to squeeze really tight. So she tells another guy in the room, hey, there's some stockings in the other office. Go get those because one victim was killed with stockings. Let's what are y'all see. doing? They wanted her. Oh, she was more than happy to oblige. I mean, I understand that. What are y'all doing? I know, like, you know she strangles people. And you're like, here, strangle me. Like, no, thank you. Whatever. They gave her some stockings. She tied it around this guy Miguel's neck, and she shows how she would, like, she tells Miguel to kind of step down because he's larger, and ties it around, shows how she wouldn't take it off, how she would tie it in a knot, like, everything. They asked her, well, what would you do if the person was older or taller? And she would say, like, she'd put her arms on their shoulders and press down, and, like, she'd tie it around their neck, and when when they collapsed, she just never took it off. And that's how she left them. She tied this knot around, I guess, a piece of cardboard for them and signed it as an autograph. Okay. Yes. Um, long, I found, what? <laughs> Go ahead. No comment. No. <laughs> so the law enforcement officers that helped catch her. Yeah. They got a thousand pesos, which I don't know what that. 100,000 pesos. I don't know what that equates to. I don't know either. And an apartment. Like a straight up apartment. Hey. For catching this lady. Yes. You ca- you caught the Abelita killer. Yes. They also rewarded the spouse of Anna. They called him a hero. Obviously, when they interview him in this documentary, he does not feel that way. He said he would rather have saved her. Yeah. That he like, it doesn't, he doesn't feel like a hero. No. No. I get it. When they go to. You want to know who the hero? Who? Like. The oh Emmy lady, Emmy, the criminologist, criminologist. Yeah, like she's the one that Who got started it all this. started. Yeah, I agree, and I don't, she never gets recognized for that. But anyway, she didn't they, get an apartment. She got nothing, right? Other than like a good job. I don't even know if she got that. To be honest, she when they go to Joanna's house, they said it was very cluttered, like mm-hmm. very very disorganized, and the whole thing was painted red on the inside. I wonder why. 
It was very interesting to me. She had the Santa Muerte altar in her house, as well as a poster of herself posing like a wrestler. So the way I can describe this to our listeners is, do you know... Is is she a luchador? Does she wear a mask? It shows that, yes. She's a luchador? (laughs) Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry, Ray, but Do you know Matilda... Do you know Mrs. Trunchbull and yes. the photo she has above her fireplace where her arms are crossed and she's like leaning back like mm-hmm. smug? That's that's how they describe the picture. With the mask. With No, she's not dressed as a wrestler. Oh. It's just her. Like it's like a legit Mrs. Trunchbull. Like so if you don't know, go watch Matilda. And okay. The picture above the fireplace is. It's a self-portrait. Yeah, but okay. I'd be so mad if I walked in my house and saw something like that. Look at me every day. If I had to look at that every day. Here's your part. She was a professional wrestler named the Lady of Silence. I'm not naming this documentary the Lady of Silence. You meet other wrestlers who described her as sweet and quiet. They were very surprised with how much money she had. She would always take them out to like extravagant dinners and stuff, but they never, ever thought she was murdering old ladies and stealing their money and stuff like that. They never, they said you would have never thought that. Um, they did say she did dye her hair a lot. They said she was blonde, then she was red, then she was brown, and then she would move around a lot. Well, yeah, because we can't get caught. And I'm going to try to say this. I told y'all I would. So on the Netflix documentary, it says the old lady killer, or the lady of silence, and then it says the old lady killer, but it's La Mat... Ma- oh, give me a second. You got this. Mata Vahatas, <laughs> which basically means in Spanish, old lady killer. That's how they say it. Um, she had quit wrestling, oddly enough, because due to a back injury. She had been lifting 100 kilos. I don't know how much that is if you do either. I don't know. But she, a lot. when she hurt her back, she actually stopped wrestling. And as soon as she stopped wrestling, she started killing What's interesting, though, is when you talk to those other wrestlers, they say that no one actually ever wrestled her. Oh, okay. Like, she set up stuff, but I don't know that she actually ever got in the ring and wrestled. Okay, so she was just there. Like, training, dressing up, maybe going around, but yeah. Wow. Okay. I, it bothers me that she was a wrestler. I, I know. I, when I got to that part, I was like, oh, goodness. <laughs> I grew up on wrestling. Um, this is why I said God for the Santa Muerta is because of this. She told one of the victims, remaining family members, that her God was Santa Muerta and told one victim when she went in, I guess, for her trial. It sounded like they did them all separately almost for the 10 that they had her for. Right. He, she told her basically, well, you left grandma alone. Like it was her fault. And she said she got so sick, they had to end that one. They couldn't even, she couldn't even go through with it that day because it just hit her so. They put the blame on her. Yes. Yeah, she already probably felt guilty for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a heartless person right there. Right. Um, the Gloria one, mm-hmm. her daughter actually told her that she hoped God forgave her and that that shut you know, like shut you want up like she had no idea what to say to that she just looked at her and then put her head down so she got 700 that's go literally killing them with kindness yes she got 759 years and 17 days in prison 
That's her sentence. The 17 days just cracked me up. Because I'm like, insult to injury. Well, it, <laughs> if you make it 759 days, you got 17 days left. <laughs> I don't know. That just kills me. Very creative sentencing there. So life. She got life. Yeah, times a lot. <laughs> when they were reading the names of all the suspected victims she had, she just said, keep throwing names in there. It doesn't matter. Keep saying names. It doesn't matter. Like, just very nasty. So, like, does it does it matter because you have 759 years and 17 days? Or does it not matter because the people didn't matter? It's the people. When they were listing the names, she just kept going, throw the name in there. Go ahead. Keep going. Like, keep going. Keep adding names to the list. Like, was just very disrespectful through it. it sounded like she wanted the notoriety. She was convicted of 17 murders and 12 robberies. The length of the sentence was obviously political. Um... They did it, the law enforcement says that it was done because they felt like it was the justice owed to the public. They gave her this huge sentence so they could try to, like, right this wrong to the public. I mean, you can't right the wrong. Like, in a way to, like, see, we got her and she's going to spend, you know. You know, her whole life and apparently the afterlife. And 17 days. <laughs> of the afterlife and 17 days. Yes. In prison. Like, I get it. But, like, that's the, that's the thing about murders. Mm -hmm. And it, particularly serial killers you can either keep them locked up for life or you can give them the death penalty yeah. but that's it yeah that, that that's all we have but none of that is going to right that wrong right i didn't know that most women who do crimes like this regardless around the country usually get longer sentences than most because they're considered just to be evil by nature yeah. like if a woman does this then there's just innate and there's no hope for you well, women, <laughs> yes, women are judged harsher. And that it's kind of like a warning to other women, like, if you do this, you'll get this thing. So do you remember Miss Vasquez, the initial lady that got locked up, that they were like, she is... The one with the boss that showed up at the... No, that no. was Matilda. Miss um, <laughs> Vasquez is the one that they I did with the fingerprint yeah, yeah, yeah. that was in jail. Mm -hmm. All right. She's been in prison for 19 years as of this documentary. And even though she has been never convicted to any homicide she's never ever been connected to any homicide i said convicted but she's not connected to any she does have the stuff for the robberies but there is no have they convicted her has she gone to yes, court she is she is in jail she is serving let's see she has 23 more years for two murders that she has no link to but they convicted her of it correct when law enforcement asked about her and they're like, does she even fit the profile? They were like, eh, I mean, not 100%, no, but eh. when they asked her, when they asked law that enforcement, me so bad. they asked law enforcement, they asked the attorney general about Arciela Miss Vasquez. No one remembered her at all. They don't remember charging her. They don't remember putting her on display. They actually handed her that wig to hold in front of the camera to make it more convincing that she was the, um, Killer. Yes. Yeah, I don't like none of that. I like it's better. So do you remember the man? Jorge, yeah. Yes. He actually died in prison. He got like 70 years. They, but they did link him to murders, right? He was initially thought to have seven, and then it jumped to nine murders that he was involved with. There is no official link. One of the crimes that he actually pled to and said that he was guilty of Ioannis print was actually found at the scene 
So Joanna is actually the killer. The killer, but they put it on him. Oh. Since going to prison, so that bothered me because that Ms. bothers me too. It bothers me a lot because talk about injustice. So not only if they didn't kill anybody, okay, and I can't sit here and say that they didn't. Vasquez maintains her innocent, even for innocence from day one, that she has never ever killed anyone. She's like, I have robbed, I am a thief, but I have never ever killed anyone, and she said that from the jump. Okay, well, you're and going to prison for that. Yes, and she's she's done 19 years with 23 more for two murders that there's zero physical evidence to say she did it. Yeah, no, I'm not okay with that. So, Miss Joanna is in prison. Um, since, 2000, since being in there in 2015, she got married. Don't worry, she divorced later. She has... <laughs> you didn't even give me time to react, <laughs> but okay. She's good behavior, so she's been able to cook and sell food within the prison and make money. In regards to the people there, like the law enforcement and stuff, corrections officers, they tr- they're almost like afraid of her. Well, yeah. So they give her passes. Like she'll come by and they're like, oh, ma'am, after you, like, go ahead. The lady that wrote the book, the one that did all the research to find about the women and all that, she actually went in to meet with her and was immediately told by Joanna, I don't do interviews unless you have 10 grand. Oh. Yes. Okay. The biggest, the biggest injustice of this case, aside from Ms. Vasquez and aside from Jorge, is the families. Yeah. This case got so unbelievably, unbelievably sensationalized that in Mexico there's songs, there's all kinds of movies and different stuff. Like it shows you different things. So the families never really got any. They don't get any peace. They got nothing. Of the crimes that happened during this whole time, 32 of those crimes, of those murders, remain unsolved to this day because they couldn't tie Joanna to all of them. They believe she is responsible for all of them, but there's no physical evidence there. Well, I mean, apparently you don't need that in... Apparently when it's the actual person you do. Oh, okay. But I wanted to... And I'm I'm going to try not to butcher these names, but I do want to list the ones that I know... Um, that they listed at the end of the documentary. Okay. So we have Maria Gonzalez, Concepcion Carzana, Victoria Solis, Margarita King- Kingsburg, Regina, P- I think it's like Pinza, Consuela Gonzalez, Maria Ruiz, Maria Anyana, Manuel Bentball. Yeah. How would you say that one? Gardelminio. Orpeza, mm-hmm. Alicia, uh, Ducong, du- maybe? Yeah. Maria. Wannabels. Maria Morales, Maria Gal- Galvin, Gloria Ramirez, Lucretia Marquin, mm-hmm. Natalia Noguez, Maria Cortina, Luis Padilla, Margarita Quesita, mm-hmm. Alicia Castillo, Andrea Corito, Carmen Rodea, Soroco Parales, Guadalupe Sanchez, Estelle Trejo, Delfina Castillo, Maria Tizapan, Maria Renzo, mm-hmm. Carmen Bada, Margarita Vasquez, Simona Alaya, I can't say that one, Anna Morales, Maria Ben 
Benavides, Margarita Rodriguez, <laughs> Maria Perez, Julia Duplan, Maria Marino, Anna Diaz, Cecilia Morales, Maria Almanes, Emma Aguego, Emma Pina, Dolores Calva, Maria Gonzalez, Guadalupe Contreras, Maria Hernandez, and Anna Alfaro. And that was the last victim in 2006. And we would like to dedicate this episode to their memory. And their families. And I feel so bad that this was such a huge case that overshadowed their loss. What they lost. Yeah. Especially when you hear from that man at the end and he's talking about, they're like, you're a hero. And he's like, I don't feel that way. I lost my wife. Right. It doesn't. Okay. Uh, yeah thanks like whatever like it doesn't you it did nothing and then the fact that she's just i'm not gonna say she's over there running it but they're she running it she's doing fine yeah she fine she 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 just fine so that is the all we have for her and i was wrong so i wanted to correct um Ah. when she says that it is her god i looked it up the Santa Muerta is our whole, our lady of holy death. That's what it means. It's not a God. It's mm-hmm. just the lady of holy death. She says it's her God. Cause that's what she prays to. That is what she equates to God for her, but it is right. not a, an actual deity of some, well, I mean, it's a deity, but it's not like a, it's, it's not a God that they pray to. It is a, um, it's their holy lady of death. It says it that it's used to be, Associated with healing, protection, and the safe delivery to the afterlife. Right. Is how they view it, but that don't think that's how she views it. No, I think it's a little bit more sinister. Yes. So. But yeah. All right, coffee breakers. This was Worder Wednesday. Yes. And leave it to Scully to file the wild one. As always. <laughs> um, again, follow us, like, rate, review. Um, hit us up on all the socials. Keep your eyes out and open for Patreon content. Um, I was going to say something else, but it left me. See, this is we don't script, so this yeah. is what happens to AC because she can't keep a thought in her head for more than two <laughs> seconds at a time. Um, all right, well, I'm done. We'll catch you on Friday. We'll catch you on Friday. Bye. Good night. Mm-hmm.